Welcome to It's All Connected, a Marvel Studios podcast brought to you by MCUExchange.com. It's all connected. Everything. John, it's 2015, and still the best Fantastic Four movie we've ever seen is The Incredibles. Wow. So you partook in the uh, Fox blasphemy that is Fantastic Four? Yeah, and I don't want to belabor it too much because it is not um, it is not an MCU movie, but I, I do have a little tie that I could, that I could bring into it. But yeah, it. Uh, I went and saw it because, you know, the reviews, I've... I've been one of those on social media that's refrained from jumping on the bandwagon until I've seen it because, you know, there's been a lot of talk, there's been a lot of images, there's been, you know, the trailer actually made it look fairly decent. So I'm like, you know what, until it actually comes out and I see it, I'm not going to I'm not going to bang on it. And so I went and saw it yesterday morning and it just isn't a Fantastic 4 movie. I mean, that's first and foremost. I mean, it just it to me, it just didn't feel like it. I mean, all of the things that make the Fantastic Four as readers of the comics, the Fantastic Four, it seemed like this movie had none of. I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll go spoiler light. Um, and like I said, I'm not going to go too far down this, but there's almost no interaction between the Thing and the Human Torch. There's none of that antagonism, you know, kind of picking at each other. Right, the ribbing and the, yeah. the whole relationship, basically. There's none of that. You never really get that Reed and Sue have any sort of real attraction towards each other. Uh, you get hints of it here and there. Reed disappears for a bit of... A, the movie does a one-year-later jump, and during that one-year-later, Reed is gone. So, it, basically, the thing becomes a weapon for the government. And it just like they're they're locked up in this facility, and it just it just doesn't ring true. I mean, the way the Human Torch like turns on and off his powers, it seems like he has this containment suit and pushes these buttons on the suit that allow him to flame on and flame off. So it kind of takes away some of the, you know, his natural ability. Doom go comes back at the very end, uh, and has these inexplicable powers that just don't like he's he's pretty much just a god. I mean, he could do anything. He can move objects, manipulate things, do everything. Uh, literally for about 10 minutes of that movie, I thought I was watching scanners. I mean, people's heads were exploding and everything. It was it was just bizarre. And the ending was just a mess. Like, I don't I'm watching the last 10 minutes of the of the battle and I'm like, I, I don't even know what's going on. Like it it just it just didn't make sense. Um so let, let me just get one thing straight. So Reed leaves for a year and comes back and they're all kind of doing like their own thing. They not not so much their own thing they're just locked up in this facility they've basically just been held captive by the government for a year oh okay because it sounded a lot like the muppets take manhattan for a minute <laughs> in which kermit returns and fozzy's in the circus or no, i'm sorry gonzo is in the circus and they're like working in a diner like everything fell apart because kermit lost his way but okay so it's not like the muppets take manhattan no no well it's uh, just damn shame <laughs> Now, did you have any issues with things, pants, or lack thereof? I didn't like the design at all. Like, I just, I, I just didn't like the design of the thing. I thought it, it just didn't feel right to me. So, 
the the him not having pants was kind of like the least of my complaints with the thing. I, I just there's not much in all of this movie took place at night or inside. Very little of this movie took place during the day. Uh, and again, you made a really dark and gritty Fantastic Four movie. And if that's your thing, then great. But to me, that's not the Fantastic Four. Uh, it, it just it just doesn't work. And even even if you change the they would have done better to change the names, call it something different. And I think it would have been a mildly entertaining science fiction movie. Um, but like I said, I think the I think the end had its had its problems. Um, I mean, this sounds silly, but I, I know I'm not alone in this thinking because there was a bit of an internet thing when it when the logo was revealed. When you take the four in a circle and make it a square, you're pretty much telling everybody, I'm doing my own thing here. Yeah. You know, that's kind of like any an, an iconic sort of logo that, you know, you could really get the fans fired up when you announce you're doing a movie and show the Fantastic Four circle logo. <laughs> when when yeah. you show it in a square, it just begins the anger and... You know, it really tells you where his head is at. He was doing his own thing, which I'm kind of mixed about these things. Like now we've heard, you know, Fox wouldn't let him make his movie like in the middle. They realized it was they signed on for this. You know, yeah. he handed in. Uh, well, he didn't hand in a script, I guess. But, uh, you know, they handed credited. Yeah. OK, so they handed in a script and he said what he wanted to do. And he probably included the logo is going to be square and the thing's going to have no pants. And then <laughs> all yeah. of a sudden it's a problem in the middle of the process. So now you don't get the studio's movie. You don't get the director's movie and you certainly don't get the fans movie. Yeah. And, I, you know, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, interference from the studio interfere, you know, the director having, you know, being a you know kind of crazy and you know being a problem to work with and how he treated you know the the cast and the crew uh, who knows about any of that i i just look at the movie and go is at its at its source is there enough here that okay if if the studio meddled and and you could find places where maybe that happened and reverse that is this still is this a better movie and i and my opinion is no and then the same thing on the director side, you, you know, ultimately the, what this movie was at its core, I, I just can't see any of the changes or re-edits making it something other than at, at its core what it was. Like I said, I mean, you could tick off a list of things, no pun intended, that make a good Fantastic Four comic movie, cartoon, whatever. And this movie had almost none of them. I mean, there are a few things here and there, but almost none of them were present and to me, that just goes beyond. I think it's both both sides claiming foul um, to try and save their own butts. I mean, more so Trank because you know this kind of a bomb and, and a reputation. I mean, he was booted off the Star Wars uh, uh, one of the one of the anthology movies that he was supposed to direct. Um, he says he left it to do smaller stuff. You know, who knows at the end of the day what all that stuff is? But but the movie they made is 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 just in my opinion it's just a mess. Um Well, I hear it's all going to make a lot more sense when they connect it to the X-Men movies, right, Russ? Uh yeah, except for Fox came out and pretty much said, "Yeah, that's not going to happen. They don't exist in the same uh in the same universe." <laughs> yeah, don't don't connect it to the uh actually successful franchise that you have. Yeah. And 
we should probably be thankful that they're not at this point. But yeah, and it's funny because I'm not one of those that thinks that Marvel, you know, that the MCU would be better if Marvel had control over everything. Uh, because I think Fox is doing a really, really good job with um, with the X Men stuff. I mean, yeah, there's been a few misfires here and there, uh, but overall, I think they've they've been doing a really good job and. If Marvel had control over all those characters, do you think we would have gotten Iron Man as the first movie? Probably not. You know, it would have been Wolverine all all day, all the time. Uh, and it would be a very different landscape than what we got. And I think what we have in the MCU is pretty solid. So I think there's room for these other studios to do these other movies. Um, I, I just think this is a case where, from the get-go, the director had tried to be way too stylistic about what he wanted to do. This is just my opinion. I have no facts to back this up, but I, I think Trank was just used to having more control when they did Chronicle. It was a much smaller budget. And I think tackling this kind of project, he had a vision for it. And I just think that vision just didn't line up and, you know, the box office is kind of proving it. So like I said, I mean, some people may see it and, you know, see a, a mildly entertaining science fiction action type movie. And that's great. But uh, and I'm I'm not even beholden to the Fantastic Four. Like I mean, I, I mean, you know, I've read them. I ha I mean, I I enjoy the Burn stuff. I really like the Hickman stuff. But I, like, I they're not sacred to me like they are even the X Men. Uh, so it's not really that big of a deal. But you know, if you're gonna do it, I think you need to do it right. So yeah, and I think we're gonna talk a little bit more about the X Men later on. But we are definitely not here to talk about the Fantastic Four movie no. attempt. No, this is all connected. Episode seventy-one, an MCU podcast, bringing you news and commentary on all your favorite Marvel Studios movies, TV shows, and Netflix series. I'm John. This is Russ. Today we are going to continue our Marvel Cinematic Universe movie countdown, which is very exciting. The numbers are what now? Uh, we just talked about this. Nine through six, I believe, today. Is that correct. good? That's correct. Correct. But first up, it is news and junk. Not a lot of news this week. Uh, in general, that's very anticlimactic after the music, Russ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're gonna true. have to come up with something. I I do have a few things, but in general, this is just kind of a weird slow period. But um, uh, it appears that Robert Downey Jr. for the third year in a row is the most is the highest paid actor in Hollywood. No shock there. And I saw that they are moving on uh, Sherlock Holmes three as well. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, yeah. So it only more for uh, the man who is Iron Man and Sherlock Holmes. It will continue. He truly is Tony Stark. Um, we've seen some more Daredevil pics of John Bernthal on set being the Punisher, doing Punishery stuff. Yeah, boatload with some chokeholds and disarming of thugs. It seems. Yeah, nothing in. We don't see any Punisher. Like, there's no skull shirt or. Um, hopefully no mask or anything like that. So we haven't seen, so I'm, I'm curious if, if we're even going to get that in, in the show or if, uh, if it's, if it's almost kind of like a daredevil situation where maybe at the very end, he kind of adopts that, uh, that garb. Yeah, I could see in my head, it plays out that, uh, he does stuff on the street and daredevil is not happy with his methods and they probably go at it a little bit. 
and they come to an understanding at the end. And, you know, he leaves with, uh, you know, flashing us the Punisher logo or... Yeah, maybe he hooks up with Daredevil's costume-making friend and and leaves the last episode with uh, a cool skull on his shirt. That would be awesome. We have a villain for Agent Carter Season 2. It's Madame Mask. Very cool. I was happy with that. Yeah. Agent Carter, you know, in the beginning of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we cried, I cried, that I wanted more Marvel in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and, you know, totally the same thing for Peggy. I think there was a lot of MCU in, in Agent Carter. Sure. Um, but now they seem to be digging into the uh, comics as well. So Madame Mask should be cool. And the only other thing I have is um, there. Um, there's some, I, I would call it extreme rumors on the Iron Fist casting. I'll take it. I know you've been anxious for that. Um, I, I don't know that I'm that I'm crazy about who they've got lined up, but it looks like, was it Luke Bracey? Is that the, is that the, the rumor? From... Yeah, that's the name. I was not familiar with him. He's, he's in that upcoming point break remake. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about, uh, about that. And basically the rumors come from, you know, a, a comic shop owner who tells Reddit that, uh, this actor came in, bought a bunch of Iron Fist stuff. And, you know, in the past when something like that has happened, it has been somebody researching a role. Doesn't mean it's his role. Could mean they've opened up casting and he plans on taking a shot and might want to have an idea before he goes in. You know, could mean nothing. Could mean he's a comic book fan. Could mean he has a nephew that likes Iron Fist and it's his birthday. Yeah. You know, you never know. But uh, I was happy to see a name attached. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of talk also that Fox is ready to pull the trigger on an X-Men TV show. Yeah, that's very interesting. And of course, it brings up all of the rights things that, you know, uh, people misunderstand a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, And the only reason I think it's relevant here is so Fox has for movie rights, they have full rights. They could use any of the uh, they can use any of the X-Men staple characters. I'm sure there's probably a long list in a contract somewhere that tells them exactly which characters they can use and which ones they can't. Um, but Marvel has to approve the show. They can't just... So Fox, from a TV perspective, they can't... My understanding is Fox has the rights, the live-action rights to the X-Men characters. But as far as television goes, they can't put a show on TV unless Marvel approves it. So... That tells me Marvel doesn't have the rights to the X-Men characters on television. They just basically have right of refusal. So if if they feel Fox is representing those characters in a way that Marvel doesn't approve of, they could put the kibosh on it. Uh, it's also a good bargaining tool for Marvel. So maybe, uh, you know, from what I understand, the Fox movie deal, unlike the Sony deal, I, I think the Sony deal I read somewhere... Um, with Marvel initially was it was 50 50 on the on the merchandising and stuff like that so anything they sell related to a Spider-Man movie is split 50 50 between Fox and Sony uh, the Fox deal from what I understand is is way less than that it's like maybe five or ten percent if that um, so you know that's that's why you're not going to see a lot of X-Men movie related merchandise uh, just because Marvel's not going to go through the effort of you know you only have so many slots of manufacturing you're not going to fill it up with stuff you're not going to make any money back on. Um, 
so uh, w- I, it's funny. I had a, a Facebook conversation um, from somebody from a listener named Ross that that said, you know, no, the Marvel does have the 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 rights, and it's it's really funny. You know, I, I did some tried to do some research on the net and and digging around, and, and it's not explicitly written anywhere, but um, but. Like I said, what it what is clear is Mar- is Marvel has right of refusal on an X an X Men TV show. Now, how do you see some of this stuff is funny to me because the stars are beginning to align. Like, let's say for Wolverine, okay? So Hugh Jackman's done. He's going well. He's he he will be done. Yes, he's going to do the next Wolverine standalone film. He's probably going to show up in Apocalypse, and uh, I don't know if there's anything else. I, I guess that's it. There's rumor he might have a have a first class style cameo in Deadpool. Right. Okay. And and let's say that's it. So now you've you've freed up Wolverine, and and Wolverine does. You know, he has to be recast if it's rebooted. You know, I think that would probably be smart rather than just throwing an, a new actor in, especially after all the great work and how much everybody loves Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. So it's almost like, is this an opportunity for, like, the television show of... It, I mean, listen, we can all dream that it would be Wolverine and the X-Men, <laughs> but <laughs> it probably won't be. But maybe some cameos, maybe Wolverine is the mentor to the school, you know, that shows up. I would never think this way usually. Usually I'm like, there's no way any TV is crossing over with any movies until I see it happen. It's not happening. Uh, And then I found out that... Why can't I ever remember any names, Russ? Uh, The voice of Rocket Raccoon, Bradley Cooper. Cooper. Bradley Cooper is showing up on the pilot episode of the Limitless television show. Yes. Now, he is the producer, I believe, of the television show. He is. So that gives a little bit of it. But hey, if this works out really well, if it's one of the most watched pilots ever because Bradley Cooper is showing up in his character from Limitless, it could open up a little, hey, what if we could get, you know, the new Wolverine actor on the pilot of the mutant show? You know, I don't know. Sure. Yeah, definitely. I'm a dreamer. No, dream big. And I think things like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Carter are showing that it's possible to kind of blend back and forth. Uh, and like I said, Fox is fairly successful with the with the X Men franchise. I mean, Days of Future Past made over seven hundred million worldwide. Um, and, and like I said, I, I don't mean to get so far off the track of the MCU, but but these things y- y- there are connections, if not from a story perspective, but from a business perspective. One of the things I was I was listening to, I was listening, I was watching the special features on the Rogue Cut, the Days of Future Past Rogue Cut, and one of the things that um, Brian Singer said is when they were trying to figure out how to break Magneto out of the Pentagon in Days of Future Past, he actually reached out to comic writer Mark Miller. Or if you're um, Bill McGonnell, uh, Mark Millar. Um, love you, Bill. Uh, but Mark Mark Miller is a comic writer. He's also been contracted with Fox to kind of be a creative consultant. And he handed Singer, what Singer said was, a list of characters that are in this gray area where basically uh, Marvel Studios can use them and Fox can use them. Um, and I thought it was interesting because at this point, I think we just thought of uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch as being those because they're both Avengers and X-Men um, or they were X-Men villains. Um, but he set a list which made it seem like it was 
quite a few more. So that he didn't get any more detail than that, but it really piqued my curiosity as to, again, how you determine which characters are solely in one bucket or the other. And, and like I said, if there's a list in a contract somewhere that says, you know, these characters are fair game, these are off the board, this is what you have explicitly, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and I, w- I would think that a bunch of them would be villains, Probably. That have probably fought the X-Men and the Avengers equally, you know, for example. Sure. So anyway, I thought that was that was kind of interesting. So, you know, you tie that all in there with a with an X-Men TV show. And, and again, I, I think if Marvel truly had the TV rights to all of their characters, then on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Carter, I think we would be seeing those characters pop up. I mean, they wouldn't be sh- soft-shoeing around... The word mutant, they wouldn't be, you know, purposely slying away from stuff that they don't have have rights to. Because, I mean, movies are movie and TV is TV. And while Marvel's chosen to make those worlds all connected, no, no pun intended, um, they could have character. You know, it's there are characters on the TV show that will never make it into a movie. I'm, I'm almost assured of that. Um, and so there's no reason they wouldn't borrow from some of that stuff if they felt that they could get some you know, bang for the buck and boost the ratings out of it. So Excellent. I could be totally wrong. Well, that was a lot of news, actually. Yeah. So listen, while you may be able to listen to podcasts for free, producing a podcast does cost actual money. If you get value out of our show, you'd like to help us keep it running, maybe even help us improve its quality and quantity, please visit patreon.com slash it's all connected and become a patron. You can donate any amount you'd like per episode, whether it be a quarter or a dollar or more. Whatever you feel the show is worth is awesome, and it goes towards improving the show in the future. As always, we'd like to thank our current patrons for helping to keep us going. And now it is time to get connected. I love the nostalgia. Brings me back. It does. I knew a girl in ninth grade. John, this is a family-friendly podcast. Yes. I've edited it in my head. Uh, I knew a girl in ninth grade who was a lovely young lady, and she, this is, we're talking 80, I have to do the math quickly, 86, 87, and she had some form of the internet where you put the receiver of the phone down on a base. Sure. Sure. And it was probably wasn't a good idea. I mean, she was chatting with boys and, like, meeting them at parks and stuff. But still, interesting nonetheless. Yeah, the good old days of CompuServe and Prodigy and bulletin boards and all kinds of stuff like that. Yes. Yes, yes. I've been watching Halt and Catch Fire, so I'm, I'm, uh, I've been taken back to the 80s. So last time we talked about the bottom four of the list. So that was number 12, The Incredible Hulk. Number 11, Thor, The Dark World. Number 10, Iron Man 2. And number 9 was Iron Man 3. Uh, so today we will start with number 8, which is Thor. Just Thor. Just Thor. Just Thor. I, I like the movie. I I have Thor ranked higher than Captain America, the first Avenger, which we'll probably be getting to soon. Spoiler alert. Blasphemy. Uh, yeah, I just... I thought the Destroyer scene was like the best scene in those two movies put together. Sure, sure. And I think they're, in my mind, they're very close, and that scene put it over the top for me. Again, I'm into the fantasy end of it. I thought the Frost Giants were awesome. 
um, and you know, seeing the Rainbow Bridge and all that stuff like that. It all it all worked for me. Um, you know, I guess this is where it gets to like the middle portion for me as well. Like I, I think Thor and Cap were very close, and uh, I did enjoy it though, probably more than many people liked Thor. I know Thor is near the bottom of many lists. Yeah. So the the highest rank for Thor was number five. Um, the lowest was twelve. Uh, so it had a median score of eight. So right, uh, obviously, right where it fell. Um, and the mode was eight. So the most most people actually picked it as eighth, um, which is which is where it fell in the list. Um, and yeah, we had quite a few. There are a couple couple folks that ranked at five. So five was the highest, and there were a couple listeners that uh, uh, that were ranked it that way. How do you and it brought us Loki, who yeah, is yeah. the only villain really that has stuck around, besides Thanos having uh, thirty seconds at the end of most movies. Yeah. Um, Loki has certainly been the best Marvel villain. How did you feel about Jane Foster? Uh, you know, I could, uh, I, I could take her or leave her. I mean, honestly, I, I think. Um, I mean, Natalie Portman is fine. I, you know, I, I, I think she's forgettable enough as a character that if they decide to do another Thor movie and she wasn't involved, it wouldn't be, I don't think, a huge loss. Um, whereas maybe I couldn't say the same thing about Pepper. You know, if, if you have a an Iron Man movie without Pepper Potts, uh, it, I don't think it works quite as well. Um, but I think I think Jane Foster is a little more forgettable, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and I mean, Gwyneth brought a lot to that as well. Sure, sure. Gwyneth Paltrow's pretty awesome in my book. Um, and Portman is, you know, she ruined Star Wars, so <laughs> negative. Well, she had a hand in it. That was unfair. That was, un- that was an uncalled-for shot. She didn't ruin Star Wars. She helped ruin it. <laughs> she, she was a contributing factor amongst many other things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I think it's middle- yeah, I think yeah. it's middle, but I enjoy it, and I enjoy the Dark World as well as we uh, we talked about last show. Yeah, yeah, I definitely had Dark World rated higher. Uh, for me, Thor was ranked tenth, so it's it's definitely in the bottom tier. So next at number seven, uh, we have Captain America: The First Avenger, uh, which this one had a pretty big spread. So the highest ranking was number one, the lowest ranking was tenth. So it had it had a. Um, a mode of five that most people picked at five, which is you're pretty a little bit above the middle. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes had it; it's ranked at sixth, so it's dead in the middle, uh, which uh, of the twelve. Um, for me personally, I had it ranked. Um, I have it ranked fifth, um, which which kind of masks, I think, my affection for this movie. I mean, I really, I mean, I'm a huge World War II buff. Uh, I really like Captain America. And this this movie kind of hit all those moving parts. It's just there are so many movies that kind of came in after it that just really, um, you know, that just really raised the bar even further. Uh, but I, I really, I mean, I think Joe Johnson did a great job on, on the directing of it. I think the Red Skull was a was a great villain. I think Hugo Weaving played him very well. Uh, so yeah, this is definitely in the upper upper half for me for sure. And it's a very close. Like I like I said, I raked it fifth, but it's it's a very that was a very tough decision to rank that fifth. I think that for me, one of the things that put it in the lower half for me is 
being a period piece, which they pulled off beautifully. And and like yourself, other people that are into the World War II era, you know, it, it was a home run. Uh, you know, it would have been very easy for them to just throw Captain America in current times and have a mixing with, you know, Fury and Iron Man and whatever. And, and the way they ended up doing it, they really did pull it off. You know, just a period piece, not my cup of tea, but... sure. Uh, And I thought the ending was fantastic when he escapes the room and it actually he is is now in modern day. And I guess they were trying to keep him calm by making him think that he was still in the 40s in the hospital bed and everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 The swirling, you know, Times Square scene and, you know, all the every, you know, all the law enforcement showing up. It, It just it just had that real feel of disorientation and. Um, you know, panic and everything else. So, yeah, absolutely. Remind me of the tag-on scene for Captain America. Is that with the boxing? Uh, yeah. With hitting the heavy bag and, and Fury shows up, I guess? Yeah, it was basically the, the early teaser for the Avengers. Uh, you know, it just it started with that, and then it just cut to a bunch of, like, quick cuts of, of the Avengers. So it wasn't really, like, a traditional tagline. You know, it wasn't a traditional tag in, in that sense. It was more just like a like a teaser trailer. Cool. That's number seven. So number six um, was the newest entry in the franchise, which is Ant-Man. So strong debut. Uh, You know, and some of that might be a little bit of newness. I know I had to kind of rethink my ranking for this just because, you know, it it is the newest one to come out. And so I think, you know, sometimes when people see something new, it tends to, um, you know, kind of stick on your on your brain that way. Uh, But I think, you know, in general, everybody's happy with it. I mean, we, you know, just a couple episodes ago, we talked about it in, in length. Um, so I don't, I don't think we need to belabor that too much. Um, but it had a high ranking of, of, of two, uh, and a low ranking of nine. So not a huge, huge swing. Um, one of the lowest swings, uh, for any of the movies that, that, um, that we have here for, for, uh, for Ant-Man. The mode was six. So again, most people ranked it right where it was at. Um, and Rotten Tomatoes ranks it as fifth, Metacritic at seventh. Uh, I had it... I had it fairly high up. Uh, for me, it's seventh. Um, John, I know you had it sixth, so you had it just a tick above where where I had it. Yeah, and I mean, I think you're right. I think if we revisited, you know, in a, in a six months down the road, if I revisit, I, I could flop some things around in the middle there. But uh, I mean, again, you're right. We talked about it enough. But it was a lot of fun, and they've really, I think, they rode the Guardians of the Galaxy wave a bit. In sure. terms of like you can do the family fun superhero movie without all the gloom and doom and, and you know, people will like it. Uh, I think if they go to the well too many times, they could run into fatigue in that area as well. Absolutely. Sounds like Doctor Strange is not going to be that way. And Civil War really can't be that way completely no. either. So I think I think they're doing a good job of, you know, continuing uh, con- continuing. That's a new word. <laughs> continuing to uh, to mix it up for us. Sure. Um, and Half Hour Wasted's Frank A. Rincon uh, ranked it number two. So he really, really liked it. But I mean, he's, and his Guardians, his number one. Uh, I think. No, nah, let, let me see. Mr. Frank A. Rincon. Uh, yes, Guardians is his number one. Right, so he's digging the you know the fun and and funny. Yeah, knowing uh, his personality, yeah, that that right. fits. makes total sense. Yeah. Uh, so lastly, we're going to talk about tonight is number five is Avengers: Age of Ultron. So again, a newer entry, um, and the high ranking on this was three. 
the low ranking was nine. Uh, so it, it didn't have, again, didn't have a huge shift. Uh, the, the mode on this one was four. So, you know, most of the entries that people put it at, uh, put it a little bit higher than where it ended up laying. Uh, I know I had it, uh, as third, uh, and John, you had it as third also. Um, but it's, it gets to the point where when you get to the top of the list, it's, a, it's a, it's a really tight race. It's like, you know, ranking, you know, I was, I was joke. It's like ranking your children, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's really, it's really hard. You shouldn't rank your children, by the way. That's that's terrible. No, well, and don't tell them. Yeah, yeah, don't tell them if you do it. You know, this had a lot of those wow moments that I talked about with Thor and the and the Destroyer. You know, like the Hulkbuster man, that was awesome. Um, I was really happy with Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, yeah. which worried me. You know, not so much. Scarlet Witch didn't worry me, but it worried me that how they were going to do Quicksilver after X-Men already did it so well. Right. You know, all the fights in the street. And I know it wasn't perfect, and I know that, uh, you know, the story has some holes, and we've kind of seen it before with all the drones and everything, but so many drones. I mean, that was just really cool. Um, it was just a lot of fun. It really delivered for that super hype you know, popcorn, summer, blockbuster, let's do it, and, and it was great. Yeah, absolutely. So that's uh, that's the second set. Uh, so that's that's where we stand there. So uh, next episode, we will take the top four, which, again, uh, very, very tight race. And, you know, granted, what's at the bottom uh, eight, it'll be easy to figure out which ones are in the top four. Uh, but I think some of the order might, uh, might surprise people maybe a little bit. Um, yeah, for sure. Don't don't spoil yourself. Don't do the math and figure out what movies we haven't covered yet. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's um, easy. But so it's time once again where, um, as we did for the for last episode, we'll do again for this episode. Um, we will pick a entrant at random so we can send them a really cool uh, Ant Man poster. And and like I said, once. Once all the entrants are in, I will uh, kind of make one trip to the post office and send everybody out. Uh, so this week's winner uh, is Matt Thomas. So Matt, if you uh, can either email IAC at HHWLOD.com uh, or private message us on Facebook uh, or just, you know, contact us uh, however you choose. Russ at HHWLOD.com if you, if you want to go that route. Um, but just... Get us your details, your mailing address information, uh, and in a couple weeks here, we'll gladly send you out one of those posters. And if for whatever reason you already have the poster or um, uh, decline, then let me know, and I will pick another winner at random uh, for this week's drawing. Very good. And hey, if, uh, if donating to Patreon is not your thing, but you'd still like to support the show, great way to do so is to leave us an iTunes review. The reviews help us climb the charts, get put in front of more eyeballs. Uh, leaving a review will get you mentioned on an upcoming episode and also get you automatically entered for giveaways and prizes in the future. And we'd like to thank everybody who's already left an iTunes review for It's All Connected. And we have some new iTunes reviews, which I would like to mention quickly, as promised. Frosty the Wandering Monster left us a five-star review. Uh, the names are awesome, by the way. Yes. Uh, Everybody's iTunes names are. I feel like iTunes is not something that people have like a ready username, and when they go to do this, they have to kind of like create one on the flyer. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I'm not like an Apple head, so that would be me. Maddie 18 left a five star review. Legion Rebel 88 left a five star review. 
TRAND207 also left a five-star review. We ha- I like to read this one because people did uh, mention episode 70. We tried version 3.0. And uh, TRAND207 said, after listening to the first episode of version 3.0, I have to say I'm thoroughly impressed. The knowledge and insight coupled with spoiler warnings paired with the unbiasedness, that's a tough word, makes for a great Marvel experience. Keep it up. Uh, amazing work from Travis is his real name, I guess, in Portland, which is very cool. And Travis is our winner. I've been promising uh, with the iTunes reviews that I had some comics to give away. Uh, if you go to the Facebook page, Travis, you can check them out. There are a bunch of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. related comics. They have like uh, variant covers with the cast from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and some other cool stuff. Again, if you want to email IAC at gmail.com. Or John at HHWLOD.com. Shoot me your address. I will send you some comics. If you're not into it and you'd like me to throw them back in the prize uh, hopper for somebody who might be into comics. If you're not, I'll try to find something else for you. So just shoot me an email. And thanks again. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. Love the love the iTunes reviews. I love um, pulling up iTunes and seeing the counter go up that somebody's left us another review. Uh, yes, it's like when it's your birthday on Facebook and the little... Uh, mentions start popping up and somebody left a itunes review on my birthday so that was like double that was like double whammy that that is awesome uh so get ready now for a spoiler alert i promised somebody somebody was good enough to leave a uh a twitter message for us and i think russ one segment we will have to add in the future is for feedback from our for our twitter and facebook friends we'll have to work that into version 3.0 soon i I agree um but this person who i'm not looking at it in front of me said spoiler alert is great but can you warn us what you're spoiling so (laughs) i'm going to turn this over to russell and uh see if you can give him a heads up before you start so we will be spoiling uh, Captain America Civil War, and I would call this light, spoiler light, uh, at, at this point. And I think that's the that's really the only spoiler that we have. We don't really have any, any other real spoilers this week. So this is your opportunity to fast forward. To bail on out. Um, so yeah, so according to, this is the first place I saw this, uh, Heroic Hollywood, who is reporting that um, they've got the skinny on how the teams are going to be divided in Civil War. Uh, and uh, they've, they've split it up. In, you know, obviously, it's not a spoiler that Captain America and Iron Man are on opposite sides of the, of the issue here. Uh, you know, the, the comic story is uh, pretty well known at this point, and I think it's taking, definitely taking its cues from that. Uh, so first up, we have Team Captain America, which is Captain America, Hawkeye, Falcon, Scarlet Witch, Ant-Man and the Winter Soldier. So I thought that was interesting that Hawkeye is uh is kind of kind of I guess break ranks with Shield almost or break break ranks with uh with his former you know he he was kind of like a government man, you know, Shield agent, all that good stuff. Right, yep. So that was surprising. Um and then to amp up the drama uh for Team Iron Man, it's of course Iron Man the Vision, which makes sense, you know, being that Jarvis uh, the close connection there. Uh, Spider-Man, which I'm curious to see if this is all true, uh, how much he's really going to play a part in this. But given, you know, fans of the comic would definitely see that fit as well. Um, Black Widow. This one really surprised me. So 
Uh, you know, Steve and, and Natasha have been kind of joined at the hip as well as, you know, in the past, uh, Clint and Natasha. So to see her on the opposite side of this and kind of siding with the government, I found very, very surprising. You know what? It made a little bit of Age of Ultron make a little more sense. You know, why did they go out of their way to make Aunt Natasha <laughs> so close with Clint and his kids oh, all good of point. a sudden? You know, like that kind of came out of nowhere that they were so tight and he was going to name kids after her. Sure, sure. So now it makes a little more sense. Like if they knew that, okay, the big split is going to be between Hawkeye and Natasha, let's set a little groundwork for that. Yeah. I think, I, I mean, I think from a conflict perspective, it's, it's, it's awesome. I mean, it, it, I definitely, um, it makes much more interesting. Um, and then the one uh, war machine is the final uh, member of the lineup on team Iron Man, which again, I guess makes sense. I mean, obviously Tony built his suit, him and Rhodey are old friends. I thought it would be kind of cool if Rhodey would be on team cap just because it would be cool to have an Iron Man on each side kind of fighting each other. And, you know, we've seen bouts where Rhodey and Tony have philosophically disagreed, but, but again, Rhodey is, you know, a colonel or was a colonel in the United States military. So again, it would make sense that if he was given orders that he would kind of follow along with that. Yeah. They wouldn't have had to backtrack any relationship in for those guys to split up, but, uh, right. But I, I see your point. Definitely. Um, if we want to go a little deeper into the speculation area for Civil War, uh, this is it, this is our spoiler and speculation uh, segment when needed. There's been rumors, and I, I really shouldn't even do this because I don't have sources where I of where I heard it from, but they're beginning to say that uh, Black Panther's father, T'Chaka, would be the death that sort of spurns on the Civil War. Which kind of makes sense because in the comics, uh, Goliath, I think, was the character, wasn't it? Well, Stanford is the... Stanford started it. That's what that's what caused the Registration Act to come into play. Uh, but it was the death of... It was the death of uh, Bill Foster Goliath that really just kind of had everybody go, okay, this is pretty messed up and, you know, this is getting way out of hand. That was like and it the... Was, it, <laughs> The it didn't help that it was war. a. Cl it, it didn't help that it was a clone of Thor that did it. Correct. It was Clor. So you know, kind of makes sense. Like if they want to do a character death, uh, you know, maybe Black Panther's father would that would be good motivation for all of a sudden Black Panther to be front and center. You know, moving forward. Sure. So I could I could see that working. Uh, since we don't have a feedback section, uh, I wanted to, um, I guess this is, this is a good point as any to do it. And, and I, I think, like you said, we'll add a feedback section and make sure we put that before the spoiler so that people don't f uh, fast forward. I um, promise that the sound effect will not actually be feedback. <laughs> because as, as that, you know, that is low hanging fruit, which I am known to partake in, <laughs> Sure, sure. but that one might hurt the, uh, that might hurt the eardrums. Absolutely. Uh, so this, this message came in from George. So I love it when people message us, uh, on Facebook or, or just join in the conversation for whatever crazy thing that John usually posts, um, or, or any of the, the episode threads and stuff like that. Uh, so definitely encourage, uh, all that participation. Um, but this is from George. And he said, just listen to the first part of the rankings. 
He says, I live in Japan and just thought I'd mention how things are broadcast here. In general, movies have at least a two-month break between U.S. and Japanese release. Once in a while, we get an early release like Iron Man 3, but sometimes it's a half a year or longer. John Wick won't be out here until October. That's one year after its American release, which I thought was pretty crazy. Um, I'm actually envious that <laughs> I cannot watch John Wick for the first time again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, there are licensing and translation agreements slash reasons for this. There are also the fact that foreign movies generally only get one weekend in the big theater and then move to smaller, fewer seat theaters. I don't think Japan is considered a large slash important market. Uh, just some amateur feedback slash insight from someone living in Japan. And I think this this kind of the, the genesis for this, if, if you don't recall from last episode or didn't listen to episode 70, shame on you, go back and listen to it. Uh, we talked about Ant-Man and, and how, you know, what kind of the rankings and you know, legs and, you know, just kind of seeing where Ant-Man might fit, uh, you know, box office wise as compared to some of the other ones. Uh, and, and, you know, just that that the only major market, I guess, it still hasn't opened in is Japan. And it was similar for Age of Ultron and a couple other movies. Uh, and so I, I, George gave us a little bit of insight into why that is. Excellent. Very interesting. Yeah. So, hey, thanks for listening to episode 71 of It's All Connected. Please visit MCUExchange.com for more awesome MCU news and commentary. You can also find articles for all our episodes there, along with links to our Facebook, Twitter, Patreon, and iTunes pages. Please check out all of our other non-MCU-related shows over at HHWLOD.com. Uh... And stay, <laughs> I've ruined it. Stick around for the after credits. Good night. This is Lee with the comic book origin of Ant-Man. Altogether, there has been four men to wear the Ant-Man suit. Hank Pym, Scott Lang, Chris McCarthy and Eric O'Grady. The latter two are penned by Robert Kirkman, the creator of the Walking Dead comics. Here though, I'm only going to talk about the main two, the original Hank Pym and the MCU Ant-Man, Scott Lang. Hank Pym was created by Stan Lee, Jack Kirby and Larry Leiber and first appeared in Tales to Astonish, issue 27 and became Ant-Man in issue 35, where, as a scientist, he created a serum that shrunk and then enlarged a chair. He decided to test the serum on himself, but shrunk down smaller than he first thought. With the antidote now out of reach, he ran outside to cry for help, but nobody could hear him, and he caught the attention of a colony of ants. Surrounded, he hid in an anthill, and was saved from drowning in honey by a friendly ant. After fighting and defeating, some not-so-friendly ants, he finds that he was able to use his new ally to climb up the building and retrieve his antidote, which he used to return to normal size. He then destroyed his serum as he deemed it too dangerous. However, weeks later, he saw the error of his ways and remade it. Now studying the behaviour of ants, he discovered that they communicated using electronic wavelengths and created a suit where the helmet could transmit said electronic signals. He first used a suit when armed communists raided his lab, searching for an anti-radiation formula. 
He then returned to the anthill, initially finding difficulty with the largest ant, where he found that he still retained his human strength at ant size. After defeating the ant, and using his new knowledge, he tamed the colony. Pym then returned to the lab, untied his colleagues, and with the army of ants, was able to stop the intruders. As time went on, we were introduced to his girlfriend Janet, who he shared his technology with as she became the Wasp. Together, they were actually two of the first five founding members of the Avengers, along with the Hulk, Iron Man and Thor. Janet even came up with the name, the Avengers. Over the years, Hank has had many different personas, also becoming Giant Man, Goliath and the Darker Yellow Jacket, where, in one of the most infamous comic pages, he struck his then-wife Janet. That moves us on to Scott Lang, the hero that the MCU focuses on. He was created by David Michelinie and John Byrne. Scott first appeared in Avengers number 181 in 1979, then appearing in the Ant-Man suit a month later in Avengers premiere issue 47. Scott was recently out of prison and working in design at Stark Industries. Upon finding that his daughter was critically ill, he sought out a doctor who was the only one with a treatment to save her. When meeting her, the doctor was kidnapped. Scott then followed the assailants to cross technological enterprises. He broke in, not finding the doctor, but the retired suit of Ant-Man. He stole the suit, learnt its ways, and returned to cross industries with an army of ants. He finds the doctor, who explains that she already has a patient. This turns out to be Darren Cross, who has had a pacemaker fitted to help him continue his work at an intense level. The pacemaker, though, has increased Cross' strength and perception, and he defeats Lang and leaves the hero unconscious. When Scott awakens, he finds that Cross has left him alive due to him wanting Lang's heart, as the pacemaker in Cross is burning his out. He locks Lang up, which proves to be a mistake, as he uses the helmet to call Ant and help him escape. He then fights Cross again, wins, and finds the doctor, who helps cure his daughter. Lang then turns himself into the authorities, as he stole the suit, but Pym lets him keep it due to him doing good. He later also became part of the Avengers, even helping out the Fantastic Four for a time, and also dated Jessica Jones. Currently, he stars in his own self-titled comic series, which started in January this year. That's all for now. You can follow me at Mask and Hammer on Twitter. Thanks for listening.